0: Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you look at the world today, we are surrounded in mourning. I mean, do any research on the continent of Africa at all. And there is deep sadness there. Genocide, poverty, famine, unbelievable abuse of human lives. Lots of mourning. Turn on the television; you'll see murders, abductions, whatever. We watch the news. I, I can't. I can't handle the news. I I don't. I can't watch it. We're surrounded by mourning. And there's healthy mourning, and there's unhealthy mourning. Healthy mourning is when we connect with what's going on with, with 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 righteousness, and we understand, man, this is really bad. Unhealthy mourning is when we begin to um, get to where we, oh, this is just crazy. It, it starts to stir anger and bitterness. Have you ever seen those TV shows uh, like 2020 or whatever where they have something tragic happens to a family and you can see it right there in their reaction? Some families, they're able to rise out of it. They, they mourn, they deeply mourn the loss of whatever it is and they're able to get through it. Others are like, it's 12 years later and they say, Never forgive him. I'll never, I'll never get my son back. That, that morning has just gone and gone. So what I want to do this morning uh, is give us four things we can do. I entitled to "See You in the Morning," uh, and I want to give us kind of some tools on how to deal with some of this stuff, and also maybe shed some light on some things we haven't uh, seen seen before. The first thing here. Number one, mourn. You guys are like, wow, he spent all week on this. That's awesome. We need a new pastor. That is my insight for number one. I spent hours on this, and I've decided, number one, mourn. Now, what am I saying there? Doesn't that seem obvious? Not not really. Not really, because I think a lot of what the world would say to us is don't mourn. Do whatever you can to not mourn. Do whatever you can to 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 put band aids on whatever it is. Don't. Death is bad. Sickness is bad, which I agree with in some cases. But but I'm digging myself in a hole right now. I just started thinking where my thought process was. I'm like, no, don't go there. Don't go there. Okay, we'll come back to here again. Mourn. We, 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 the world would say, buy a Cadillac, you'll be fine. Okay, I don't mean to pick on Cadillacs. Listen, if you guys feel in your heart that you want to give me a Cadillac, I'll take it, all right? Uh, Especially that that new... Okay, so... um, No, but my, my point is sometimes we forget to mourn. Mourning is not bad. See, the scripture says, blessed are those who mourn, happy are those who mourn. And we say, no, no, mourning. We don't want anything bad to happen. That's why my kid skateboards with five helmets and a, you know... 50 elbow pads, right? You know, it didn't help Audrey. She broke her leg on Saturday. So, you know, I I didn't do my job and now we're mourning. No, we don't. It's fine. Actually, I like my kids getting beat up a little bit. I think it helps them. But um, (laughs) but we shouldn't. What I'm going to try to explain to us this morning (laughs) is mourn. Feel it. Feel it. One of the things I wasn't expecting when I became a pastor, and I don't mean to tell this story to make you feel sorry for me or anything like that, but, you know, again, Lisa and I had been called to full-time ministry a long time before it actually happened. And so we were sitting waiting for it to happen. And while we were waiting, I was gathering as much information on becoming a pastor as I possibly could. My dad's a pastor. One of my best friends is a pastor. I used to hang around pastors, right? I was kind of like the wannabe pastor, <laughs> okay? And, and for the most part, I felt like I had it all nailed down I I, kind of felt not to be not arrogant like oh I got to figure it out but I felt like I understood the expectation and the gravity or whatever except for one thing that I was not expecting and that was to feel the mourning of the sheep I didn't expect to feel the way I feel I, I didn't expect to when someone goes through a tragedy to actually have that sense of mourning now Uh, again i why why do i bring this up so that's all poor pastor john he didn't expect was oh yeah no i I don't think it has anything to do with being a pastor i think i was missing all that as just a regular believer i i think i was missing out on feeling a lot of what was happening around me because i was so focused on myself if you look at uh, the scriptures mourning naturally brings us to god Nat- morning is a natural state. It's not something to be avoided. It's something to be embraced. Now again, I'm talking about healthy mourning and hopefully we can begin to sift through and I can give you some ideas of what that looks like rather than you know, just me the whole time. I, I, I've been reading a lot of commentaries on this and one of them said, We've never, we have no record of Jesus ever laughing. So therefore, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, okay, so you, there's no so what he never la- jesus never laughed i'm sure that's ridiculous in hebrews it says he was anointed with the oil of joy so i mean i don't know how he could be anointed with the oil of joy and never laugh. but so he i guess i guess he was but here here's the deal in romans 8 it says uh when, starting in verse 20 i just want to kind of give us we have verse 22 up there but it says for the creation was subjected to frustration. All of creation right now, because we're under sin, is frustrated. We're supposed to feel that because it brings a longing for something better. This frustration, the fact that no matter what job you have, you're going to be like, it's still work. And even if you win the lottery and you become a multi-billionaire and you just don't have to do anything, it's still a pain. Because then everyone wants your money and you don't know what to do and you thought it was going to bring happiness. All that stuff. It's frustrating. Now listen, Romans 8.22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's a sense that when we mourn, it's supposed to bring us to, it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to be like this. And that's part of the comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will receive comfort. That's part of it. But if we don't allow ourselves to mourn, if we try to just medicate through whatever, shopping or, you know, even friends or gossip or whatever, whatever we can to try and, no, no, I don't want anything bad to happen. We miss out on this connectedness to, oh, it's not always going to be like this. God wants us to mourn. He wants us to sense the brokenness of humanity so that we can connect to Him to go, oh, I'm glad it's not always going to be like this. Mourning naturally brings us to God. In 2 Corinthians 5 two, it's not up there. Uh, Paul says, meanwhile we groan longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. If our, if our goal in life is to try to minimize pain, then we're going to miss out on this longing for, an, for another dwelling, for a perfect dwelling. So what does the enemy do? He says, don't mourn. Do whatever you can to not feel bad. And one of the ways I believe he does this is by flooding us with so much negativity that we become desensitized to it. So that it's not that we, we are isolated from the bad. It's that there's so much of it that when we see a kid get abducted on television... It's just not a big deal. I mean, show, how many shows are there on people being brutally murdered? Again, I'm not, hear me, I'm not coming down on all that, okay? I'm, 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 I'm not not want to thump the Bible. I'm just saying we need to be careful because it does. It desensitizes us to what's going on. And then we hear things and it's like, oh, yeah, I saw that on whatever, CSI or whatever. But it happened to a real family. And so we want to make sure we're, remember we were talking about watching the enemy, knowing his scheme so that we can have a defense. We want to be of the people of Jesus Christ have to be people who feel, who mourn, who understand the gravity of what's going on. And I don't mean this to be a bummer of a sermon. um, But it probably will be. Okay, here we go. So, you look at your life and you say, well, I don't really have anything to mourn about right now. If, if I, if it's happier, those who mourn. And, and so we want to mourn. Uh, I, I don't have anything. My marriage is going good. My house is going good. Everything's going good. I want to give you a few things, uh, that we can mourn over, uh, so that we can go away feeling refreshed and encouraged. Okay. This is, this is so awesome. Uh, in doing a, a lot of research on this, on this sermon, uh, on, the, on this one verse, most scholars, and I mean most of them, believe that this verse is talking about mourning over your sin. Now, I don't, again, like, you're like, I don't necessarily go, go that whole route, and you guys are like, yeah, but they're scholars, and, and you're a moron. So why don't we just listen to what they have to say? Well, as I began to really study this in the scripture, I think it's broader than that. However, I want to touch on this topic just for a little bit. Mourning over your sin. You can always mourn. If you want something to mourn about, mourn about your sin. Now, you guys are looking at me like, wait a second. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I can go boldly before the throne. What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is healthy. It's not unhealthy. I'm not standing here to tell you guys what ends up happening a lot of times in the Christian church, at least in my experience, is that the pastor feels like he needs to beat down the people to get them to that state of, ah. Oh. then he's like done his job. I don't believe that's my job. Thank goodness. But unfortunately, that tends to be the the. the a lot of good things came out of the holiness movement, okay? But some of that is like, man, you just beat, beat, beat down, beat down, beat down. What I want us to see is get connected to the mourning of your sin. And it's going to be healthy. Now, here's what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What was happening in the church of Corinth was there was some sin going on. And the church was just like, la, la, la. We, it doesn't matter. We're washed in the blood. And so here's what Paul says. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and a kind, and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. A man has his father's wife. Now, I'm not going to go into all of what this means. Uh, it can mean a lot of things. It doesn't matter. Here's the point. It wasn't that the man had his father's wife, although that grieved Paul greatly. It's found in verse 2. And you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief Listen to that. That is, that's not a fun word out of the Bible. But what Paul wants us to do is to begin to connect with the relationship of God. Not, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? If you do this, you feel bad. It's bad. Bad, bad man. Okay? No. It's that I want that relationship with God. And when, it, when, it gets, when anything gets in the way, it grieves me. I mourn. He says, shouldn't you have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? And then in verse 6, it says, your boasting's not good. A little bit of yeast leavens the whole bread. We have to look at ourselves, church, and say, what is my attitude towards sin? This has been a brutal week for me. Because I really started looking at myself and I started asking, when was the last time I was actually broken over my sin? Now, now believe me, I I ask for forgiveness like everyone else. I recognize my sin, uh, all that. But when was the last time when I went, oh. So I started asking myself this question. And then I started getting broken over my sin. And it doesn't feel good. I wanted to just go, there. Was therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You know, hey, huh, it's okay. Everything will be fine. Instead of allowing myself to mourn, blessed are those who mourn. Who, who have that sense of, man, Lord, what a horrible state this would be in if I didn't have you. I'll give you an example. Lisa and I, don't have the perfect marriage by any means, but one of the things that is, works out great for us is both of our personalities don't like to have anything in between us. Uh, so it's like once something's not going right, we're all just freaked out and we want to, you know, I always want to ask for forgiveness real quick to get it all because I don't like crying. Uh, and, um, and so I'll, I'll say something like, you know, man, honey, I'm really sorry for that conversation that, you know, it was all my fault. And I, you know, w- you know, would you forgive me? And then she'll say something like, yes, I forgive you. And then I'll be like, okay. And then do you have anything to say to me or <laughs> I, because I was, I mean, I'm really sorry for that, that particular part of the conversation. I don't know if you remember this. There's another kind of what you were saying. Do you feel that right? And fortunately my, my she doesn't like when I talk good about her. So, um, so then she, no, uh. <laughs> She's got a lot of real bad problems. But one of the good things is (laughs) what she'll do is she'll say, yes, you're right. You know, I'm sorry. And so we'll get it. We'll get it mended. Okay, why was it? Was it the things that we were doing that was causing us grief? Was it like, oh, I yelled or I did something and so that was bad? No, it was the relationship. There's tension in the relationship. See, sin, our our grief over sin is not necessarily the sin, the act. It's what it does. It's that we've grieved God. There's been a disconnect in our relationship. I hope that makes sense. David mourned his sin. Listen to this in Psalm 51, 1 through 6. This is a great example of a guy who knows it's gotten in the way of his relationship. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only I have, sin, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely your desire, uh, you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in my inmost place. Now, what's David doing? Is, he, is, is it David, oh, woe is me? No, he just so desperately wants his relationship with God to be one that's fulfilling and, and full of holiness and connectedness that he's like, oh, I blew it. I hate this. I hate this. And it, I feel like in a lot of ways, I've, uh, sometimes I lose that. And I, it's healthy. It really is healthy. And we'll see why uh, in a little bit. So you say, well, that was David. That was before Jesus. There's no therefore no condemnation for those in christ jesus he had to go do a bunch of sacrifices you can understand that turn to james chapter four this is the process of repentance we all know this verse here in chapter in verse seven submit yourselves then to god resist the devil and he will flee from you that's a great home run lottery verse we love it love it come near to god and he will come near to you Woo! another lottery verse now listen to this Wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> wow! That doesn't feel very good to me. That was a, and this is written to Christians. This isn't some guy on a street corner with a bullhorn. Okay, He doesn't have a sandwich board on him with John 3.16 on it. It's to us. He says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Wow, that doesn't sound like a... I, I'm a positive guy. I love my relationship with Jesus. I think it's the most exciting thing in the world. And so I typically preach along those lines because I, I, I think it's just so great. But listen. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Ugh. Wash your hands. One thing, if you spend any time around me... Uh, you'll realize that I'm somewhat of a germaphobe. (laughs) You guys, this is going to be a great one. You guys are going to really think I'm weird after this. I debated whether I should tell you this story or not. Okay, I'll tell it. All right. So when I go to use a public restroom, um, (coughs) easy, just hang with me, okay? It's going to get better. Everyone's like, wow, I wish we were gone right now. Okay. (laughs) Okay. When I go to use a public restroom, I am always cognizant of what I touch. And in my mind, like when I go to open the door, it's like eh, 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 contaminated, right? Contamination, doo, 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 right? And so I'm touching everything. Okay, so we're all done. I go to the, so now I'm contaminated, right? And I go to the, to the wash thing. And the ones that you just put your hands under and turn on, those are magical. I love those. And the little... You just put your hand up. Oh, I got some soap. I love that. Because you don't have to touch anything. So, uh, okay. So, let's go back. So, what I'll do is, if if it's one of those towel things that you have to push down, while my hands are dirty, I'll push one down to kind of get a little thing going. Then... I, I wash my hands and when I turn the water off I usually do it like that with my arm in order to keep these remember they were contaminated <laughs> then I rip off the little thing I, I, I made for myself and I use that to pump out a whole bunch more paper towels dry I'm all set I take the paper towels I go to the door of the restroom open it up hold it open with my foot <laughs> three points oh yeah baby that's it right even if it falls on the ground I don't go pick it up They should have a trash can right here, okay? A lot of times you'll see a bunch of trash on the ground there. That's their indication that they need a trash can there. I at least try because I'm competitive. I'm out and, ah, I'm cognizant of my cleanliness. That's how we should be with God. We sin. We're cognizant of it. It's not good. We say again, not because you know bad you're so bad. It's that oh I'm contaminated. We go before the Lord, Lord, I, I I'm sorry, I'm mourning my sin. I, I truly have connected with what it did to you. I've connected with why it put you on the cross. Why just that stupid word I said, that little word of gossip, or that little word of putting my brother down, or that little word of judgment, or that thought of pride, that that was the very thing that nailed you to the cross. I I, I feel it. We need to allow ourselves to mourn. Why? Because we will be comforted. See, God all through Scripture says, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Feel it. Feel the weight of the sin. Not because it condemns us so that we can feel the, the, the lack of connection. Go before our Heavenly Father. Wash our hands. Put our foot out. Drop it down and go, yes, I'm restored. Thank you, Jesus. It, it, it goes poverty in spirit. I got nothing to mourning. I've done everything wrong to being comforted. Oh, thank you, Lord. Paul grieved the Corinthians in that letter that he wrote to them when he said, "What is your problem, guys well, why are you Why are you not grieving over this why don 't you see what this is doing to you guys? One little lump of leaven when we as a church like embrace again." If you're not a believer, again, like I've said before, I don't care what you do. You can come in here, worship with it. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all. But once we say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, now there's a level of accountability. And as a body of Christ, we need to grieve when, when, when a brother's fallen or sister's fallen. So listen to what happens. Paul writes this letter. See, mourning doesn't feel good. Writing a letter, if I have to tell somebody to their face, dude, you are in sin right now. I don't like that. I hate it. I want to avoid it. Everything in me says, don't do that. It's bad. But watch what happens. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, this is another letter Paul writes to the church of Corinthians. A follow-up letter to the first one. Now listen to what he says. Do I have it? Yeah, yeah. Check this out. Boy, that is small. Sorry for those of you who are... We we need... uh, Okay. Even if I caused you sorrow by by my letter, I do not regret it. He's saying, look, even if I had to say something that brought you to mourning, that brought you to a place of, man, I don't have a good sense of where I am with God, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I'm happy. See, blessed is the man who mourns, or the one who mourns. Blessed is the one who can speak a sharp word of rebuke in love to know that once that person mourns, there'll be forgiveness. He says, now I'm happy, now I'm blessed, not because you were made sorry. Again, remember I talked about in church sometimes it's the pastor, for some reason, feels it's his role to make you feel sorry. That's not the goal. Here's the goal. Not that you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. See, I don't want our church to be a church of mourners. You know, just go, yo, you know. We get to, we get to work and it's like, oh. How you, how's that relationship with Jesus going, Chuck? Terrible. I'm a sinner. Oh, man. No. We mourn, we feel it, so it brings us right to the throne, We're going, Oh Lord, I'm sorry. And then what happens? It leads us to repentance. Now listen to this. It goes on, For you became sorrowful as God intended. I thought there was no condemnation. There isn't any condemnation. But God fully intends, by His Holy Spirit, that convicts us, that we have a heart that's open and soft, that says, I'm sorry, you were sorrowful as God intended. And so we're not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. There's the no condemnation. But worldly sorrow brings death. Isn't that true? Worldly sorrow brings death. When we don't have a way to deal, we don't have a skill set to deal with it, it brings forth death you can see it on people connecting with mourning but there's no release there's no help there's no hope it brings forth death and then it goes on i don't know if i have verse 11 up there no i don't so uh i didn't have this up here either but listen see what this godly sorrow has produced in you paul's continuing now listen to this What earnestness. What eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation. What alarm. What longing. What concern. What readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourself to be innocent in this matter. I told you about it. You saw it. You grieved over it. You went before the Lord. You repented. You're clear. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. We can mourn the state of humanity. You're like, wait a minute. We were just, that was just mourning our sin, okay? We can mourn the state of humanity. This is what Jesus did when he looked out and he said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers their chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Again, unfortunately, the Christian church has come with a viewpoint of the world of being mad at it for being dead. Being like, you know, we should do this and we should change this and we should, instead of mourning the state that our world is in, actually feeling it. So that way when we see the person in sin, it's not condemnation. We connect with them. Oh, imagine being in that state and not having Jesus. That's the connection. That's the mourning the state of humanity. It's not pointing our finger and going, there's, they there's no choice. If you're lost, you're lost. You know, when someone gets lost in the desert or in the, you know, the plane goes down, and they get lost. People don't sit around and go, Stupid. They send out a search party. They feel it. They feel the grief of the family. They don't like go, ha, ah, serves him right for flying in an airplane, right? No. Or he's hiking and he gets lost. Oh, he should have had a compass. What an idiot. No, we send out a search party. That's the morning. We connect with this guy and his family. That's how we should view the world. Secondly, first we mourn. Secondly, we continually seek God's comfort. We continually seek God's comfort. See, if we just stopped at the morning, that'd be a bummer, I have to say. If I, that was my only point, I would understand why this would be a bummer. It's going to start going, it's going to get better now from here. It won't just be uh, about the morning. Continually seek God's comfort. God is the source of comfort. Listen to what 2 Corinthians verse 1 3 says Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort. You know that's the God you serve. I am so glad that's a description of my God. (laughs) Because if I'm poor in spirit. And I need to mourn my sin. And he wasn't the father of all compassion. And the God of all comfort. I'd be in a pretty bad state right now. But he is. And so I need to continually seek that from him. Because if I don't. I'm going to go somewhere else to try and seek comfort. I'm going to go to something to try and buy my way out. You know, you've, I've been there before where I, I've been so upset about something, I tried to buy myself something to cheer myself up. Or talk about it to, to look just, till I'm blue in the face with somebody. Like, that'll make it feel better. It's God. God is the God of all comfort. He's the one who supplies it. In 2 Thessalonians 2.16, this is awesome. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. God is the God of all comfort. When we go to him, he is faithful to comfort us. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted if we're doing it with a godly mourning. We don't seek comfort foods or comfort purchasing or comfort alcohol or uh, comfort um, unhealthy relationships. There's one right there. Sometimes we feel mourning that we don't have a relationship, a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever. There's a deep sense of regret. We feel like we're missing out. So what do we do? We satisfy it with something unhealthy. Instead of going before the Lord and going, Lord, in your timing, what would you have? You know what I mean? I mean, you guys all see it at school. You see some girl or boy who's, you know, needy. And you're going, oh, why did she hook up with him? That guy's a loser. He's just going to be, he's just going to use her. And then, you know, everyone knows that guy. But there's a sense of mourning and a sense of loss that she has, or he has either way. And it's just like, not going to God, I I just need somebody. We got to be careful with that. Sometimes we're in mourning in our marriages. We're going through a time where the marriage isn't very good. So we think a set of papers with a little signature down at the bottom is going to bring, going to stop the mourning. It will not. We have to go to God. God is the God of all comfort. See, God, only God comforts continually. These other things are all quick fixes that we have to keep doing but god god comforts us continually for they will be comforted over and over and over and over and over and over again all the time you mourn all the time god comforts whether it's the loss of a child or over our sin or over a pet or whatever there's lots of different mournings, and this is where i disagree with those scholars i think when you look in the scriptures you see god comforting people for all sorts of stuff he's the god of all comfort i think that covers every kind of comfort i don't know i i don't I, again i'm not very i'm not a learned in this all what all means but uh see the thing we have to understand comfort is not a healing okay we need to understand this you don't mourn and then get comforted and ah, oh, yeah i was mourning but then god comforted me so now i'm healed It's an ongoing process, especially with our sin, because we'll always be sinning and we'll always be going, oh man. And the Lord continues to. so we lose a child. It's not like, oh yeah, I lost a child or I lost a spouse or whatever. And yeah, but I'm over it. God comforted me and now I'm healed. No, it's, he continues to do it. Listen to this in Psalm 30, uh, verse four, sing to the Lord, you saints of his praise his holy name for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts what a lifetime. Continual, continual comfort. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That was fast. Whoever got to their phone, that was very. I, my hat's off to you. That was good. Psalm thirty, verse eight: To you, O Lord, I called; to the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is in uh, there in my destruction? In my going down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? And he goes on. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. See what David's doing? He's going to God for his comfort. He's not going to anything else because he knows the Lord will continue to do this. You've turned my wailing into dancing. Turn my mourning into dancing. We saying that this morning. You have removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Mourn and you will be comforted. We need to look at God for that. Thirdly, stay connected in your mourning. Stay connected. One of the things the enemy would love to do in your sadness is isolate you. He wants to keep you away. You feel depressed. I don't want to go to church. Again, you know, I, I'm not, not that church is the end all of everything, but he wants to keep you away from people. So you stay at home, and I'm too tired. It's, you know, it's just the same thing over and over again. No, 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 no. Stay connected. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul's talking to, to the church, and he says. And we were harassed at every turn. There were conflicts on the, inside, uh, on the outside and fears within. Paul's describing a time of his life that just was um, horrible. He, he's coming into a time of his life and he says, oh, it's like everything. There's conflict on the outside and there's, there's all these fears within. I, I was just in a bad state. Now, now what ha- listen, you've got to catch this. But God, we're going back to God. God's the source of all comfort, right? But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. How? By the coming of Titus. Just look at that. Is it up there? Yeah. But God, who comforts the downcast, again, another beautiful description of God. Is it not? Love it. Comforted us by the coming of Titus. God, God comforted Paul by, by, by staying connected by not being isolated. And not only by His coming, okay, now watch how the connectedness gets even better, but also by the comfort you had given Him. He told us about your longing for me and your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. God turned my mourning into dancing because t- uh, Titus came and Titus shared his love for me and he told him that you loved me and you know that I love you and there's a connectedness. Don't buy into the lie that you're mo- you have to come to church once all the morning's over. No, 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 no. This is exactly where you need to be. Be connected. And shame on the church if we don't embrace you. That, that then comes on us. That comes on me. You come and let God do his thing. Because it might not just come through us. It might come through something you hear in the word or the worship or whatever. But stay connected. It goes on. Uh, listen to this in uh, Colossians 2.1. Did I put that up there? I don't know if I did or not. Yeah, no, I didn't. Okay, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. There, there he is again. And for those who are at Laodicea and for all those who have not personally seen my face, listen to what he prays for, what he wants, what he longs for, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from full assurance and understanding. That our hearts would be knit together in love. So that when somebody goes through something, there's a whole nother part of the knitting that can handle that. That there's another part that's strong at this time. If you're mourning, there are a bunch of people who are strong. When they mourn, you might be strong. We've got to stay connected. That's why Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. In other words, don't get out of habit of getting together. And listen, church, I want to say this very clearly. If you're in a small group, I don't really care if you come to church. That much maybe just okay I do care but my point is this I just wanted to make a big big, big man statement okay I would rather have you in a small group connected to, in deep relationship and accountability than just coming to church sitting in the back and leaving see what I'm saying just coming to church isn't what I'm talking about here it's getting connected is now what I'd love is for you to be in a small group and then we come here and we celebrate all the great things that God's doing in our small groups that's what that's, that's my vision uh, well, it's God's... Anyway, okay. Uh, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That word encourage is comfort. It's the same word. God expects his people to comfort each other. God expects his people to comfort each other. Romans twelve eight. For he who exhorts... That word is comfort. It's the same exact word. In his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So there's a sense that God expect, God's the God of all comfort, but he expects us to be people of comfort. Stay connected. And then the last thing I want to talk about, um, in our mourning, one of the ways to get through it and to feel the comfort is to comfort others. Now that is totally outside what you would normally get from the world. I mean, you have to take care of yourself. You've got to. Now, there is a time in mourning when you do. That's why I say mourn. (laughs) Don't just, oh, it didn't happen, and I'm just going to focus on other people. No, mourn. God comes to us in our mourning. But one of the things that looks unhealthy is when it goes on and on and on and on, and and you become self-focused, and you get disconnected, and then it just becomes death. That's worldly sorrow. That leads to death. Listen to what, what I'm talking about here. This is so awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort. We read that a couple points ago, remember? Listen, 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 listen. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That comfort comes with a responsibility. Are you going through something that's really traumatic right now? Something that makes you grieve, that makes you mourn? Is it a sin? Is it something where you just, ah, is it the loss of someone? God comes and he he fills us with this comfort. And watch what it says here. It's so awesome that that, the two word pictures here. It says for just as the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives so there's the sufferings of Christ flow into our lives so also through Christ our comfort overflows What a beautiful picture that that the 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 bummer stuff flows into us but the comfort overflows He's literally turned our mourning into dancing. Blessed are those who mourn, who actually feel it, who are connected with it, because that same depth of emotion springs forth life and comfort. And so it says, for just as the suffering of Christ flow into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance in the same sufferings we suffer. As our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. This is another reason why small groups are so important. On a Sunday morning, we all come in, we listen to, we, we go into the worship time, we hear an unbelievably well thought out and compelling sermon, and then we uh, sing a little bit, and then we're gone, for the most part. By the way, you can join us at Carl's Jr. for even more fellowship after the church. This section brought to you by Carl's Jr. Okay? Uh, we have some things in the back for that. So, so that's why small groups is so important because let's say you're going through a, a trial and God is just filling you with comfort and it's overflowing. What's happening to it? Is it just spilling out on, all over? Or can you invest that into somebody else's life? That's what small groups do. And if you're not in a small group and you want to be in a small group, please let me know. We will get you in a small group or we'll start a small group for you to try and get you connected because it's vitally important that when we sense this connectedness that it overflows we're able to we're able to um, comfort others